You can turn with me in your Bibles to Judges chapter 20. Judges chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. Uh, as you turn there, I'm going to just set the story up uh, a little bit. Uh, there was a man, there was a Levite, and you can read about this story in, in detail, uh, the chapter before Judges 19. I'm not going to get into detail with it because there are some little ones in here. But the, the, some men from the tribe of Benjamin committed a horrific act. Uh, uh, they did something, they committed a crime that was, that was just uh, atrocious. That, um, and and the, the way that the events played out following that, uh, this Levite went to the tribe of Benjamin and said, Hey, look, these men committed this horrible uh, violence and act. Uh, towards my concubine, turn over the men of Benjamin so we can deal with them. We can, you know, charge them and do what needs to be done. Uh, and the men of Benjamin refused. The tribe of Benjamin refused to give up these men. And so in turn, they drew battle lines. And Israel, the rest of the tribes of Israel was going up into battle against the tribe of Benjamin. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story at in Judges chapter 20 and verse 18. It's a, and I'm going to read a good, this is a good little chunk of scripture, but I want to read it all because this is the text uh, that, that we're, everything I talk about today is, is we're going to be coming from here. Judges 20 and verse 18 says, Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, Which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah. They advanced toward Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin's warriors, who were defending the town, came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions again at the same place they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord had said, go out and fight against them. So the next day, they went out again to fight against the men of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all of whom were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. The Israelites asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again or should we stop? The Lord said, go. Tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites set an ambush all around Gibeah. They went out on the third day and took their position at the same place as before. When the men of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town. And as they had done before, they began to kill the Israelites. About 30 Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads, one leading to Bethel and the other leading back to Gibeah. Then the warriors of Benjamin shouted, we're defeating them as we did before. But the Israelites had planned in advance to run away so that the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from the town. When the main group of Israelite warriors reached Baal they turned and took up their positions. Meanwhile, the Israelites hiding in ambush to the west of Gibeah jumped up to fight. There were 10,000 elite Israelite troops who advanced against Gibeah. The fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin, and that day the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin's warriors, all of whom were experienced swordsmen. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together in your word. We thank you that your word is awesome, Lord, that your word is powerful, that it is true, Lord, it's active and living. 
Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself, reveal your will uh, to, to us today as we get into your word. Father, I pray that you would help me uh, to preach your word. Thank you, Lord. Open up the ears and the, the, the minds and the hearts of everyone hearing me today that we're able to receive it and apply it to our lives, that it would produce fruit, Lord God, and it would be fruit that remains. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You know, just in the last probably month or two, uh, I met with two different people. I was talking with two different uh, uh, people, one a man, one a woman, about some struggles that they were going through in their life. And uh, as I was talking to the young man, he was he was telling me, uh, as, and we I've been walking with him for a while now. And and as I began to talk to him, he began to to share his struggles and and why he was still getting hung up on this certain issue in his life. I, I began to sense what it was is that he was thinking uh, in his mind that because he struggled with this for so long that basically he wasn't able to win this battle, that he was fighting this battle, but he wasn't able to win it because, man, everything I try, everything I do, every time I go out and, and try to, uh, to, to get victory in this thing, I end up falling, I end up getting defeated. And then I was talking to a, a, a lady and, and very similar what was going on over the years would get a little gain a little bit of ground, but then always end up falling to, in defeat to the same thing, a different issue in her life. And what I encourage both of them is that they needed to begin to change their mindset from uh, that, that I'm probably not going to be able to win this battle, this thing I, I've fought against, I've, I'm losing, I've sought the Lord, I've asked his help, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've done all these kind of things. I encourage them to change their mindset, to know that you are fighting a winnable battle. Today, I believe, like the men of Israel, like these two people I told you about, there's some of y'all in here today, I believe, that have been struggling that have been fighting, that have been battling with maybe some something. Maybe it's a, a, a certain sin. Maybe it's a, a certain attitude. Maybe it's a conflict in a relationship. Maybe, maybe it's not necessarily a battle in the sense, but it's something you've been believing for by faith that still hasn't happened. You've been standing. You've, you've been praying. You've been believing, but still you haven't seen the breakthrough. You've been going, uh, doing everything you know what to do. You feel like you're, you're gaining ground, but still there's no breakthrough. I want to encourage you, as I encourage these, uh, this man and this woman, to do what the Israelites did, and that is take your position again. Verse 22 says that they took their position again. That's the name of the message today is you must take your position again. Today I pray that, that during this time, that for some of y'all that feel hopeless in here, that hope will begin to rise up. That there will be hope that rises up to say, hey, you know what? Even though this thing has been going on for, I, I mean, I'm talking years. Some of y'all may be sitting in here and it's been days, it might have been weeks, months, but some of it, it's been years. In both of the cases I'm telling you about, it had been years that this struggle had been going on. And yet still there was no victory. But I want to encourage you today, don't lose hope. Take your position again. So today I want to I want to offer you some hope and hope stir you up, stir you up with some hope and also give you some ways from the text that we just read to help you to take your position again. Number one is take your position with God's people. Take your position with God's people. Look at 20 verse 22 says, but the Israelites encouraged each other and they took their positions again at the place they had fought the previous day. 
They encouraged each other. They didn't try to do it on their own. Now listen, I know this, this might sound trivial, like what well, we know that, that's why we're at church and, 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 and we understand that. But, but you would be amazed how many people I've seen just in my short time of ministry that, that as soon as something begins to happen and a struggle begins to take place, they begin to pull away. They begin to pull away from the body of Christ. They begin to pull away from friends or family. And, and, and I want to tell you, that's the worst thing that you can do. That's the worst thing that you can do. Everybody, no, longer, no matter how long you've been saved, how long you've been walking with the Lord, everybody needs to be encouraged at some point. Everybody needs to, to have somebody to come alongside of them and say, hey, look, David, you know what, man? Take your position again. You know, it was so cool uh, because we heard a testimony in the first service of a lady that had been battling with migraines for years and years. And she shared a testimony this morning how she was healed. Amen. But, you know, I can remember me and Pastor Brad praying with her. I can remember Pastor Todd, my wife, praying with her, encouraging her, talking to her over the phone. I remember the conversations they had that she would encourage her to continue to take her position, to continue to stand in faith. You know, as I, as I say that everybody needs to be, you know, have that person. You need to take your position with someone, with the people of God. I think about David. You know, David was considered one of the mighty, most, the, the mightiest warrior in Israel, one of the greatest kings. I was just reading the other day and there was just, it was an account of David and his three mighty men and, and these were some bad dudes. For all us men out there that like war movies and elite special forces, David and his men were like the special forces of the Israelite army. But look, we read here in second, first Samuel 23 that when Saul's going after David trying to kill him, listen what his friend Jonathan said. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan assured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you, as my father Saul is well aware. He encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Listen, I'm not just talking about coming to church. Church is great, but you need somebody that will call you on a random day when you're at the lowest of the low and you don't think anybody knows where you're at, but you need a friend or a couple of friends that the Lord speaks to that calls you at your lowest point and says, hey man, the Lord put me on your heart and I just want to encourage you to hang in there. I want to encourage you to take your position. Again, I was listening to a message of a pastor that's been having health issues for many, many years and he said he felt like giving up. He felt like giving up a lot, many times and he said and every time he was at that point, Somebody shot him a text and said, hey, man, praying for you. Just want to let you know that the Lord is going to get you through this. There was always somebody he surrounded himself with. And listen, don't, don't take that lightly. When you have people in your life that you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling beat up, you're feeling defeated. Even David, as the mightiest warrior he is, obviously he took his, his friend Jonathan's advice. Because look, when we, we see later, 1 Samuel 24, 15, whenever David confronts Saul, he, he has a, uh, he's actually in a position to take Saul out, but he doesn't. This is what, he, what David tells Saul. May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. Come on, that word of encouragement encouraged David enough to know to tell Saul, listen, I know you're trying to kill me, you're tracking me down, but the Lord's going to rescue me. Why? Because he had somebody to encourage him to say, stay strong in your faith in God. Let me say this. When you're in the midst of a battle and you're struggling with something, whether it's your health or it's some sin, especially if you've been struggling with some sin, the first thing or or anything with health, a battle, the first thing the enemy is going to go after is your faith. He's going to make you, he's going to try to make you question your faith. Where is your God at? 
Why hasn't he delivered you? Why are you, why are you still dealing with, with all these health issues if you serve such an awesome God? You've been standing in faith, right? You've prayed and fasted about that for 10 years. Why hasn't it changed? The first thing the enemy is going to attack is your faith. That's why you need someone like Jonathan to specifically say, hey, stay strong in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't encourage him to go practice more war tactics. He said, stay strong in your faith. And he had a, and, and obviously this sunk down in David, like I said, and David realized, you know what? I am going to keep faith in God. We all need people around us who can encourage us and help us in the midst of our battles. That's why life groups are so vital. We don't just have life groups to try to give y'all something else to do during the week. I don't think anybody here needs something else to do during the week, right? I think we all pretty much have full calendars, right? We, we give y'all the opportunities to get involved in life groups because that's what it is. It's people around you to help you in life. To give you life. When you're going through the midst of the battle, to have someone to call. I prayed with a young lady after service, uh, after the first service, and she was going through some things. And right away, uh, you know, they had another lady right there. And I said, hey, I want you to introduce you to, to, uh, to Sarah. And she's going to help because she said she didn't know anybody in the church. And she was, she was hurting. She felt hopeless. She, you know, all these things that were going on in her life. And I said, you got to, you need to get involved in a life group or you need to get someone around you that can help you, that can encourage you. Amen. Don't isolate yourself. That's the worst thing you can do. I said it right. That's the worst thing you can do. Listen, I want to read 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. The Bible says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, why am I using that scripture? Why, why, why did I just pull that scripture out? Have any of y'all ever watched, do y'all watch animal shows? And y'all watch animal shows when lions and, and tigers and they, they, they go after herds of animals, buffalo and whatnot. What is the main tactic that a lion's going to use when he's chasing after a herd? Isolation. He's going to get somebody to, he's going to try to get one of these animals, usually a calf, a smaller one, to break off of the herd. And sometimes it's a full grown buffalo or bison, whatever it is. As long as they can isolate them, then the lions can go in and take them down. It's pretty cool whenever like you can get revelation from an animal show, right? Oh, that's what the Bible is talking about. But it's true. That's what a lion does. Obviously, Peter knew uh, the tactics of lions, but when you watch that, you see it unfold. You know, I was watching a video again this morning as I was praying and getting ready. I just thought about it this morning, so it was kind of late. Um, a lot of y'all maybe have seen this video on YouTube already. When I, I mentioned in the first service, people came up to me after and said they did see it. If you haven't, I encourage you to go on YouTube and check it out. It's called The, the Battle at Kruger. And if you've never seen it, what it is, it's a, it's a, a group of lions and a group of buffalo right by some water. Sure enough, the lions take off after this group of buffalo and they isolate this calf. I guess a baby buffalo is called a calf too, like a cow, right? If not, we'll just flow with it. Okay. So this little calf is, they isolate, jump on this calf. Well, cause they're right by water. The lions get on this calf. They tumble into the water. So now about five or six lions are on top of this calf in the water, trying to pull it out and drag it out. Now there's tourists filming this whole thing. Has anybody seen this video yet that I'm talking about? Okay, a few of y'all have. All right. So they, th- these lions are on top of this, this, um, this baby calf in the water trying to pull it out. And the herd's gone. You don't see the herd. The tourists are filming just freaking out like, oh, this poor baby calf. You know, it's, you know, it's over this and that. Well, to make matters worse, just when you think everything is, is going wrong for this calf, a crocodile comes up out of the water and grabs the calf from the other end. So now you have the lions on one end and a crocodile on the other end of this baby buffalo literally having a tug of war to try to pull this thing out. 
And you, you can hear the people, you know, it's like a, it's just a crazy a series of events unfolding before them. And they're just like, oh my God, this, this, is the calf even still alive? Is it, is it still alive? Well, the lion's finally pull it away from the crocodile, just drag it back on land. Right about that moment, the herd of buffalo begin to come back. And the people filming it said, oh, well, it's too late now. Like, you're too late because all the lines are on top of the calf. It's just been bitten and pulled on by a crocodile. Like, this calf's dead. They kept saying, it's too late. It's too late. Well, guess what? This whole herd of buffalo comes, starts surrounding these lions, start running off this lion. This one, I'm telling you, go check it out. This one buffalo even comes and, and gores, hits this lion. It flies about five or six feet up in the air. I mean, he takes off, as you could imagine. And one by one, these buffalo continue to surround these lions and they start scattering. They start taking off. Miraculously, the calf stands up and goes back into the herd of buffalo. Come on, somebody. Why, why did I tell that story? Once again, we can learn from this animal show, from this, this series of events. You might be in the battle of your life. And you know what? Things have been bad. And then they went from bad to even worse. You feel like you've had a bunch of lions on you and then a crocodile just came in and bit you on the backside. And through all of that, you think that there's no way. It's too late. You might have been thinking in your spirit or to yourself, maybe not telling anybody, but it's too late. There's no way now that this person could be healed, that I can be healed, that I can get free. I'm telling you now, it's not too late. When you surround yourself with God's people, you, you, you get encouraged to take your position again. That's why the body of Christ is so vital. So I encourage you, take your position with God's people. Don't be alone. If you're alone, that's when the enemy has his best chance of picking you off. Don't isolate yourself. Even if you're dealing with some some, uh, horrific sin that you might think, I guarantee you there is at least one person in this church that is willing to come alongside of you, walk with you, love on you, pray with you, and help you get through that. Amen? If that's you today, after service, I want you to come up. We're going to have some leaders and some pastors up here to pray with you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you in whatever sense of the battle is. That's what we're here for. Number two, number two, take your position in God's presence. Number one is we have to take our position amongst God's people, but then we must take our position in God's presence. Look at Judges 20 and verse 22. Let's go to verse 23. It says, they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord had said, go out and fight them. Verse 26, then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. As you see, it mentions twice They had been soundly defeated twice. So guess what? They went up to to the presence of the Lord and wept. They went up before the presence of the Lord and poured out their heart, offered burnt offerings. Listen, I want to encourage you. Coming to church is awesome. I encourage you to come to church on a weekly basis. Stay plugged in. That's good. But that is not enough, y'all. We need to get in the presence of God on a regular basis. Especially when you're in the midst of the battle, you must get into his presence. You must get before him, pour out your heart in weeping and even in fasting. You know, just around the corner, as I said, we got another 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up in January. For some of y'all, you might be in such a thick battle, you can't wait that long. You might want to start fasting this week. 
You might want to get before the Lord. Not you might want to. You need to get before the Lord. If you're in a battle, are you believing in faith and your, your, your hope is, is, is dwindling? You need to get in the presence of God. You need to get before him. Why? Why, why, why do we do this? Well, one, when we get knocked down, I, 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 we, we get recouped in the presence of God. We regain strength. We regain hope. Listen, don't, don't go places. Don't watch movies and, and listen to, to, to music that's going to make you just, you know, just wallow in your sorrows. Okay? Don't, don't be listening to I got a tear in my beer kind of music. Okay? It's just going to make things worse. I promise you. I promise you. I, I've been there. Done that. Even as a, as a believer, I've listened to stuff that's just like, man, this is just making me recount uh, all my sorrows and all my, my sadness. And just it's not helping me. It's, it's pushing me further down. Y'all understand? Y'all tracking with me? Get into the presence of God. Get into the presence of God. Why? Psalm 97.5 says, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. And at the presence of the Lord of all the earth. The mountains melt like wax in his presence. So what is it? What's your mountain right now? What has your mountain been? Not right now. What is that mountain you've been facing, you've been trying to climb for years now? What is it? Get in the presence of God, that thing will begin to melt. That thing will begin to to just flatten in the presence of the Lord. When you get before God, you know, it's something about the presence of God that has a way of doing that. What is one of the best ways to get into the presence. Well, why do we start every, every service with music, with praise and with worship? How many of y'all could, could relate that? That is one of the best way you get into God's presence is when you just begin to praise him. You just begin to worship him. Not only on Sunday morning, uh, but Monday morning when you're getting in your car or before you get in your car at, at your house throughout the day, you begin to put worship on. You know, and, and I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm funny like this. I just thought about this. And, and God is so good. You know how God, like, like God knows everything, right? So you ever notice, like, when you're, like, reading your Bible, there's a certain scripture, and that day that you're reading, you didn't even plan on it, and it, like, speaks specifically to you? Well, like, I believe God does that even with worship, with music. I, I, I went to, I went to uh, Brother uh, Kent Whip's uh, brother's wake yesterday in Appaloosa. So I put in a worship CD I hadn't listened to in a while, and I was worshiping to it on the way up there like, yesterday. So when I got back in my car this morning to come to church, like, my favorite song was on, was on that coming here. It was just perfect. It was just a perfect way to me to enter into the presence of God. I just begin to worship and pray and continue to pray as I got here to the office. You know, God is faithful like that. You know, when we, when we make a decision to pursue him and to get into his presence, he's faithful. And praise and worship is one of the great ways we can do this. Look at verse 18. Judges 20:18 says, Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, Which tribe should go first to attack the people of Benjamin? The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. The word Judah means praise. The word Judah means praise. Listen, praise must be priority in the midst of the battle. Come on, y'all didn't get that. Praise must be priority in the middle of the battle. Because when you begin to praise the Lord, when you begin to worship, even when the circumstances aren't changing, what it does, it redirects your focus from your problem and your battle, from your sin unto God. It, it puts more focus on God than it does on your problem. Most of us that have been in church for a little while have heard the saying, stop telling God how big your problem is, tell your problem how big God is. Amen. That's what worship does. That's what praise does. That's why the mountains melt like wax. Because you begin to look at the mountain and say, mountain, my God is way bigger than you and all the other mountains put together. 
And you get in his presence, you get in worship, you get in praise, you know what, and, and you begin to praise that stuff away. Judah shall go first. I love that. It also builds your faith. When you begin to worship and you begin to praise, it, it builds your faith. Like I said, some of y'all might not be in, in a spiritual battle, so to speak, but maybe you've, you, you've lost some faith in the last, you know, year or so. Or maybe before, because there's something you've been believing for, some sort of healing breakthrough, maybe a salvation of somebody that, that you love dearly, and they still haven't come to the Lord. Maybe you've been dealing with physical problems in your body, or maybe just all the, a series of events, just everything just seems to be going wrong, and, and you've been losing faith. Well, something about praise begins to build your faith. Why? You know, I love reading through the Psalms out loud. When I'm reading the Psalms, I love reading them out loud, because so much of it is just a declaration of who God is. It's David and the other psalmist just saying, God, you are, you, you know, you are a victory. You are, you, you give us the victory. You're our, our majesty. You, I mean, just all this stuff that, it, that the book of Psalms says. And so when I read that out loud, you know what? It builds my faith. It, 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 and I'm speaking it into the atmosphere in my home. If I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my home reading the word of God, I'm reading it out loud and just declaring all of that stuff over my house, over my marriage, over my children, over my family and over my situations. Praise and worship begins to build your faith. You know, once we get into his presence, we must desire to remain there. To remain there. I'm not going to read it, but in John 15, Jesus repeatedly said, remain in me. Remain in me. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's the importance of desiring to be in God's presence more than just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. We know we're going to get into the presence of God when we come here and we're all together worshiping. But that's why it must be a desire every day remaining me, you know, because you can get fired up. You can get a shot in the arm on a Sunday morning during prayer and fasting. You go to a good conference, you hear a guest speaker, you hear, you know, Pastor Todd just tearing it up and you can get encouraged and you, you're good to go. But then you start off your week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you start kind of like you start fading again and you start losing the battle again. Your faith starts waning again because we haven't remained in him. Which leads me to my next point. I wonder if some of our victories are not being won because we're trying to do it on our own. Number three is you need to take your position through God's power. Take your position through God's power. Look what Judges twenty twenty two says in the Amplified. But the people, the men of Israel, took courage and strengthened themselves and again set their battle line in the place where they formed it the first day. How do you strengthen yourself? Well, in actuality, you can't strengthen yourself spiritually. But, but, but that's not what it's talking about here. You got to know where your strength comes from. You got to understand where, where the strength and the power as a born again believer comes from. And most of us do, but we got to be reminded and recognize that, look, am I, am I trying to do this in my own strength? Am I trying to get through this on my own? Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen, Amplify, once again, just lays it out so clearly. So, so good. 6.10 says this, Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him that so that strength which his boundless might provides. Y'all got that? I don't know if y'all got it. Let me read it again. Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength with his, with, which his boundless might provides. Listen, we only have so much strength in our natural body. 
We only have so much that we can tolerate. How many of us use the expressions or heard the expression, man, I've had it up to here. I'm done. I'm fed up. I can't go anymore. There's only, we, we have a limited amount of strength. Yes, God has given us strength. You can get up, you can be all rested and all, you know, full of our five hour energies and all that stuff and be good for a little while. But when you're fighting spiritual battles, your natural strength is not going to last you very long. It's not going to last me. That's why he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be empowered through your union with him. See, this ties in to the presence. This all ties in. You go from presence to power. If there's no presence, there's no power. If you're not tapped into the vine, that's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not getting into the presence, that's where the power's at. It's tapping in with him. You know, I said this this morning, and that's why I think it's so important. I find it so important. Look, I'm not trying to get legalistic about this, but I think it's so important about spending time with the Lord in the morning because you never know what's coming down the pipe that day. You never know how much strength you're going to need, how much wisdom, guidance, direction, grace you might need at your job site when somebody has you pulling out, you know, your hair, you know, and wanting to choke them. Instead of choking them, you should be wanting to lay hands on them and pray for them. Amen? Come on, I've been there. I'm confessing my sin, okay? But you see, we're getting, it's like, you know, what's better to do before you go on a long trip? Is it better to fill up before you get on the highway or just kind of wing it and get on the highway and hope that you have enough gas to get you to the next gas station? And then you get into some long stretch of highway where there's no gas tank, then uh uh-oh, what happens then? You run out of, you run out of gas. I think sometimes we do that spiritually too. Because we just try to wing it throughout the week and hope that we'll make it on last Sunday's message. And that might work sometimes. And like I said, I'm not diluting what I'm doing up right up here. This is important. But you know what? The power of God is going to come from being plugged in, tapped in to the presence of God. We see Jesus. I'll read the one verse from John 15, 5. Jesus said, yes. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me. But guess what? In him, what does it say? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can win every battle through Christ who strengthens us, who empowers us. That's what that word in Philippians 4.13 means as well. It's not just a physical strength. You can get that from going to the gym. He's talking about I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. Through him, who empowers me through his presence. Amen. We can't win the battles of life in our own strength. We need God's power. Number four, take your position on God's promises. This is probably one of the most important ones is take your position on God's promises. Look at Judges 20 and, and 27. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. The Israelites asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again or should we stop? The Lord said, go. Tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites set an ambush all around Gibeah. They went out on the third day and took their positions at the same place as before. On the third day. They got defeated the first two days. Why were they able to go out on the third day, draw battle lines after literally losing thousands and thousands of men? Why were they able to get out there, pull up their swords again, and get ready for battle? Because of the promise. He said, go tomorrow, I will hand them over to you. It's interesting because the time before, he didn't give that promise. 
He asked, should we go and fight against our relatives again? And he said, yes, go up and fight them. But he never said that we'd give them the battle. This time, it's like God knew he needed to give them the promise before they get back out there. Listen, y'all, there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. That tells me that there's a few of them for every battle that me and you is going to face in our life. Amen? There's, there's, there's at least one, but I know there's way more than one. There's, there's quite a few for every battle we're going to face. There's over 3,000 promises. Dig in the scriptures. Find out what those promises are and hang on to them. Look what 2 Corinthians one twenty says. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. No matter how many promises, they are yes and amen. You know, I begin to think about Pastor Nick as I was, as I was preparing this. Um, and, and as y'all, as most of y'all know, you know, Pastor Nick was planning on moving to Boise in June, but he didn't leave till October. And, and, and there were times that he shared some of this with y'all from up here on Wednesday nights. And he shared about how it was, it was getting discouraging because he, God spoke to him. He knew him and his family was supposed to go to Boise, plant a church. And, and, and God was just doing things already, lining up a worship leader for him, a friend of his that lived in New York that he knew, and all this kind of stuff was coming along. But then, I mean, then they got a contract on their house. Man, everything was going great. And then they get their house uh, inspected, and there's over $10,000 worth of things that need to be fixed. So the people back out of the contract and it's like, no, we don't want it. And not only are they stuck with somebody canceling the contract, not wanting it, now they're looking at, so we have to come up with ten grand to fix our house before we can actually get it sold? And he shared some of this. I mean, I'm not, he, he shared this on, on a Wednesday night. He, he, matter of fact, he, he said he shared about, uh, overcoming discouragement. Uh, the Lord gave him that before that report came. He said, man, I didn't realize that this message was more for me than for the church, you know? But I begin to think about this. And we talked to him. Obviously, we're close with him and talk to him daily, him working here. How was Pastor Nick able to hang in there to stay, stay fervent about where he was going and what he was doing? And the answer is because God had spoken to him and given him a promise. And I know this because he told us this many times. God spoke to him. He had no doubt in his mind. Look, I'm going to be honest. I even asked him. I said, hey, man, do you, with all this happened, does this make you doubt at all that, you know, I'm just kind of picking his brain. Does this make you doubt that you're supposed to go to Boise, move across your family, across the country to go plant a church where you really don't know anybody over there? He said, not at all. It's only made my fire grow stronger. And he was able to say that because God had given him a promise and told him, you're called to go to Boise, and the promise was, I'm going to provide everything that you need. And as we see, it was delayed. He went through some battles. But in October, they took off. God provided, and God's already doing the work. They found a house, which most of y'all have seen on Facebook. They've already found a house. They got on the contract, and uh, he, he called in a couple of Tuesdays ago in our department head and was saying how God's already moving on the real estate agent. They're already getting the minister to him. It's just really a God thing. This is, this is a side note, cool testimony. The real estate agent told Pastor Nick, he said, you know what? Boise is going to be blessed to have people like y'all here. And you could just see God working already. Amen. But you know what? He, he stood on the promise that the Lord had gave him. He stood on the promise. And look, for, I don't know about y'all, but for me, I'm like, you, th- th- brother, God bless you. There was nothing in me that desired to pack up and move to Boise. Amen. I mean, God hadn't even called me to Bunky, more or less Boise. All right. So, <laughs> But he had a burning desire because God had given him this word and he was standing on God's promises. Number five, and this is the last point, number five, take your position again and don't give up. Take your position again and don't give up. 
you know, we can do all the four things I just said to do and that the Israelites did. But this is where, and, and I, I had it confirmed by some elders that walked up to me after the first service and told me, man, I begin to think, think about this. You know, all the people that used to serve with us. Somebody had been in church for 30 years. He's an elder. And he said, I begin to think about that when you talked about not giving up, how a lot of people have just fallen off and are not even serving the Lord. Listen, the Israelites lost two straight battles, but they didn't give up. They stood on the promise of God. They was in the presence of God. They was pulling their strength from the Lord. They got around each other and they went out again. They didn't give up. The third time they were victorious. Listen, this is one of my favorite scriptures. And y'all probably, I, I feel like I use this scripture a lot when I preach. Because it speaks to me. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it's helped me tremendously in my lifetime. It's Galatians 6, 9, and 10. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. See, I just talked about the 3,000 promises in the Bible. But you know, you've heard this, that every promise has a condition. See, we have all these promises. This is a promise. He didn't say you might, you can. He said you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. I see so many people fall short because they've given up. Do you know that the only way the devil can defeat you is if you give up? Did you know that? I hear people, oh man, the devil just beat me out of the bat. Well, I understand. Get up and keep fighting. Come on, stand in faith. You believing for that healing. You believing for that restoration in your marriage. You believing for that person to get saved. Don't give up. It ain't over till it's over, okay? You know, I just saw this played out again in the world of sports just on Friday. I don't know how many of y'all watched the LSU game Friday. I was actually at the LSU game. And for those of y'all that didn't see the game, I don't know what I'm talking about. LSU was down to a, 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 a three and eight Arkansas team that we were favored to beat them, you know, by a lot, by many, many points. And we find ourselves two minutes left in the game and we're losing. We're losing by three. And to make matters even worse, our starting quarterback, senior quarterback goes down with an injury. Then the starting center goes down with an injury. And earlier in the game, one of our starting receivers were out. So we had three freshmen that were, that were on the field at this time. They punt the ball to us to make matters even worse. If that didn't, that, that, if that wasn't enough, the ball rolls down onto the half yard line. So the ball's literally in between the one and the goal line. They're backed up. I'm sitting up there and where I'm sitting in the stadium, there, the, the, the end zone's right there. And I'm thinking, I pretty much have given up at this point. I'm like, they have a freshman quarterback that's barely played and, and, and they, how are they going to drive the ball all the way down the field and score? I'm like, this, this is not looking good. Well, I, so in my heart, obviously, I'm not saying this, but I'm thinking, I, I'm starting to, to think, okay, uh, what, what are people going to say we lost this game? Some people I'm going to have to face at church. You know, one was in the first service, we were laughing. I was like, I'm going to have to hear it from him. You know, all this kind of stuff. Well, don't you know this freshman quarterback makes a great play in the end zone, throws a pass. A few plays later, runs for about 25 yards. And then they're about on the 50-yard line, freshman center, freshman quarterback, and a freshman receiver, he throws a 49-yard touchdown pass to win the game. And I'm like, I knew it all the time. I was like, no, not really. I acted like I had faith when I really didn't. I had given up. But I'm thankful that the Tigers didn't give up. I'm thankful that little freshman, those three freshmen, freshman quarterback to freshman receiver, I'm glad those guys didn't give up. I'm glad they didn't say, well, you know what, our quarterback's out, he's out. Man, we're just going to have to take. I'm glad they didn't give up. Listen. 
There was still a couple minutes left in the game. And then I got even a little more nervous to go a step further. And I, we still got a minute 15 on the clock. We hadn't stopped Arkansas all day. They could just drive right back down and score again. Two plays later, they sacked him. He fumbled. The quarterback fumbles. We get the ball. Game over. What I want to tell you today in this illustration of sports is, listen, as long as you're still breathing, there's time left on the clock. Amen. Amen. As long as you're still alive on this side of the earth, there's time left on the clock for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. It doesn't matter if you, you feel like that little, that little buffalo that was in the water with a crocodile one end and lines on the other, or you feel like a freshman quarterback on the half yard line having to march down the field. Don't give up. Cause guess what? We have way more of an advantage than a football player or a wild animal. Amen. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of your body. Listen, y'all, the odds are stacked in our favor. We know how the book ends. That's why I say the only way you can be defeated is if you give up. And that's where we fall short sometimes. Listen, Thomas Edison, we all know, accredited with uh, inventing the light bulb. It took him four years and thousands of tries to get it to where he finally had all the materials and the right stuff to where he made the light bulb work. He said, I was never myself discouraged or inclined to be hopeless of success. Once again, some, some of y'all in here might be, might have felt hopeless walking in here. He said, I never felt hopeless after thousands of tries in four years. Edison did not think that any of his failures were actually failures. Edison said, if I find 10,000 ways something won't work, I haven't failed. I am not discouraged. Because every wrong attempt discarded is just one more step forward. Come on, somebody. Thomas Edison's preaching this morning. One more step forward. He wasn't even close to giving up. He said, everything that I thought was a failure just makes me get one step closer. One step further. Matter of fact, a a man came up to me after the uh, service. I was talking to a man. I never knew this. You might have known this. He said, you know, that's how uh, the name of WD-40 came about. He said he saw something on TV that on the 40th try is when he got the formula to make that product. So he named it WD-40. It was on the 40th try. I was like, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Fun fact for today. But you know what? We need to have that same resolve that Thomas Edison had to never give up, but to continue to move forward. Amen? As we close today, I want to remember, I want, I want you to remember, I want to remind you that you are fighting a winnable battle. Some of y'all might need to just get that in deep inside of you. And it was a blessing. That young man came back to me about a couple weeks later and said, you know what, man? It's helped me ever since you told me that. And I changed my way of thinking. It's, it's, it's helped me tremendously that I'm fighting a winnable battle. That I'm not going to give up. I don't have to lose. I can take my position again. Remember, take your position with God's people. Take your position in God's presence. Take your position through God's power. Take your position on God's promises and take your position again and don't give up. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up with me, please. You know, there's some of us in here today, some of y'all out there that, uh, you know, you can't do any of these five things I just mentioned until you position yourself for salvation. You remember the scripture we read, uh, Ephesians 6, 10 says, be empowered through your union with him. You might be in here today and you're not in union. You're not in relationship 
with the Lord Jesus. I have one more scripture to read, and it's Colossians 2, 13 and 15. And it ties in both what we've been talking about all morning to what I'm talking about now and getting right with the Lord. Colossians 2, 13 and 15 says this. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. This scripture ties in both our salvation and the victory that comes with our salvation for every battle. Amen? For every battle that we go through, there's victory because of the cross. So today, there might be some of you in here that, you know what, you, don't, you, you feel like there's still charges against you. You might still feel like that your sinful nature is controlling you, that you're under the burden of sin, that you haven't been forgiven yet. You're still being under condemnation. You haven't asked the Lord to forgive you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed at, at this moment. If that's you, and as I read that scripture, you, you say, Brandon, I still feel like I'm dead in my sins. I feel, still feel like there's charges hanging over my head from all the wrong that I have done. And I think, I, I'm glad to know that Jesus took those charges and nailed them to the cross. But you know what? You haven't accepted that yet. If that's you today and you said, man, I feel the weight of sin. I don't know if I'm right with God. I want to be forgiven today. I want to be right with God. I want to be saved. If that's you, slip up your hand this morning. I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand right here. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anybody else? I see your hands right here in the front. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyone else? Say, I want to be forgiven. I want those charges against me cleansed and dropped today. If your hand's raised, I want you to do a bold thing. I want you to come down to the altar right now, and we want to pray with you. Come on up. Don't be ashamed. Y'all, come on. Those that raise your hands, come to the altar. We want to pray. I'm going to come down here and meet you right now. Come on, family of God. Let's welcome Let's welcome them into the family. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Come on. If, if today, anyone else, and if there's anybody else, feel free to come up here. We want to we pray with you all. Look, we gonna, we're going to all pray together, okay? The Bible says if you believe in your heart, confess with your sin that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved, okay? So I want you all to, if you believe that, you believe Jesus died for you and he paid your price, of your sin to cancel that record that we just read about you believe that would well, not pray with me say Lord Jesus come on let's pray saints let's pray with him Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner I ask that you would forgive me of my sins I pray that you would save me I thank you for canceling the record against me all my wrongs and all, all of my shortcomings I make you my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, congratulations. Hey, today is the start of a new day. Today, in faith, y'all have come alive in Christ. Hey, if y'all don't mind hanging up here, we're going uh, to get some information for y'all. We want to pray with y'all. Uh, and, and, and we want to help y'all to continue on in this journey. Hey, listen. Oh, wow. See, I didn't give up. I kept going. Hey, listen. As we leave today... If you feel like, if you've been in the midst of the battle and you, like I said, you, 
want, you need to encourage yourself. Take your position with God's people. Come up here. We want to pray for y'all. We want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. Literally, if you have nobody to walk with you, come let us know. We want to connect you with some people. There are people in this church that love you, that want to walk with you, that want to help you through these times you're going, and I want to help you stand in faith. Amen? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word does not go out, go back to your void, but it goes out and accomplishes exactly what you have set it forth to do. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for, for the resolve and the hope that's rising up. I thank you, Lord, there's hope rising in this place, hope rising in people today, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for these that have gotten saved today. I pray you would bless, protect all of these as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with y'all. God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful day.